0: Welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to this edition of the Truth Hurts program with me, your host, Steve Z. It is Wednesday, so that means it is the middle of the week, November the 3rd, 2021, the day after the elections that sent shockwaves around the Democratic Party. On the last broadcast, I mentioned how quiet the mainstream liberal progressive media was about all of this shellacking that the Democrats took last night by losing the governor's race in both New Jersey and Virginia. But don't worry, folks. They may still have a few cards up their sleeves. There could always be some last-minute found mail-in ballots to change things. But I don't think that's going to happen this time. I mentioned, like I said on the last broadcast, how the media was whitewashing this and sidestepping it and diverting your attention with all types of weird so-called major news stories like which Kardashian is dating whom and who wore what to what gala or what event. A major embarrassment for the Democrats and their willing cohorts in the media trying to do their best to cover it up. So I decided now, an hour or two later, it's 10 o'clock Central Time now on this edition of the Truth Hurts program, I want to revisit some of those headlines. One of those headlines says, lobbying firms connected to Biden White House flourish under the new administration, ABC News. That's no shocker. The next article headline says, election night brings dismay to the Democrats. That from NBC's Today Show. The Washington Post writes, A sobering reality hits Democrats after Tuesday's election losses. Then we have Red Alert. Crushing defeat in Virginia could signal more bad news for Democrats ahead. USA Today. CNN writes, Biden arrives back in Washington to a political nightmare. Here's one that's real important. Cher launches a tirade against the Republican Party, saying she held her tongue long enough. Um, who cares? Who cares, Cher? You are irrelevant. You've been irrelevant. Well, no offense. When it comes to politics and public issues other than you getting up there and singing, your entire existence, to me, is irrelevant. Who cares what Cher or the Dixie Chicks or anyone has to say? They're not in politics. They're not in public service. They're entertainers. They're circus monkeys. They're clowns there to make you laugh or make you clap. BBC, the British Broadcasting Company, writes, key takeaways from a bad night for Joe Biden. CNN has an opinion piece. Youngkin's win was a bad omen for Democrats. Well, that's absolutely true. Let's look at... The Washington Post, Democrats look at expanding minimum tax on wealthy in exchange for state and local tax breaks. Give me a break. Lobbying firms we talked about for Joe Biden. Here we go. The Atlantic writes, if Democrats can lose in Virginia, they can lose almost anywhere. We can only hope. Democrats plan to cut taxes for wealthier blue state homeowners is in the final spending bill. This according to the Washington Examiner. Climate carnage is inevitable, writes Yahoo Finance. Dear moderates, the left isn't why McAuliffe lost Virginia, the Daily Beast. Van Jones on Virginia in the Hill writes, This is a big, big wake-up call for Democrats. And Reuters, Reuters News Network writes, Biden returns to sobering Virginia upset Democrat battle in Congress. The Daily Beast writes, the quiet red line that could complicate Biden's agenda. And The Hill writes, Biden and progressives lead Democrats into the wilderness. That's kind of hilarious. A couple of articles about day one of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Those are interesting. Washington Examiner writes, a deserved Democratic defeat and a Republican victory. Washington Examiner also writes, Paying illegal immigrants the $450,000 welcome mat. Now, this one's worth looking into just a little bit. According to reports, the Biden administration is exploring paying illegal immigrants who were separated from their churrons at the border during the Trump administration a lump sum payment of $450,000 each. Now, I want you to think about this. Even adjusted for inflation, that is more than was paid to the 9-11 families, and more that is more than is paid rather to families of US soldiers killed in action defending our country. They are looking at paying almost a half a million dollars to each illegal, invading, trespassing criminal. Illegal alien. I'd like to switch gears here a moment. And how do you switch gears? You use a transmission, better known as a tranny, right? Speaking of trannies, the USA Today has an article that says, What is gender creative parenting? We spoke to parents who let their kids explore gender freely. Yes, it's going to be one of those Truth Hurts programs. The article begins, Jolene Vargas's son was a year old when he became, quote, really obsessed with the movie Moana, unquote. Vargas, then a new mom, embraced her child's interest in the Disney film, but in doing so, she began to feel pushback from those around her. She said, quote, A couple people in my life were just like, Moana is a princess, that's a girl thing. But that didn't stop her from looking in the girls section for Moana-themed clothing for her son. And there it begins, my friends. As the years went on, the little boy's interests became more clear. The mother says, Every time we went to Disneyland, he was more drawn to princess things and the princesses themselves than anything else. We would try to get him things from Marvel, like Spider-Man stuff, and he had no interest in it. And then, when we would get him something that was from Moana or Disney princesses, he was all in love with it, so it just felt wrong to be like, oh, you can't play with this. Her son is now five and has a little brother, and mom has since found the language to describe her style of raising her kids. She calls it gender-creative parenting, and she shares her journey on TikTok. I'm not going to even bother giving you the TikTok address. She says, my child is gender-creative He
1: just expresses himself however he wants to. For Vargas, gender
0: creative parenting means never restricting them on anything based off of societal standards. Vargas found the term through another family on TikTok who has a non-binary child. And apparently they're not alone. The hashtag gender creative parenting has more than 11.3 million views. One video posted by a sociologist, Kil Myers or Kyle Myers, has gathered a million-plus likes where they explain how to raise a child in a gender-creative way. Harley Maher, who uses he and they pronouns, shares videos about gender-creative parenting on their account. Maher describes gender-creative parenting as choosing not to assign any gender labels He discovered the parenting style on a Facebook group, even before his child came into the world. It's funny, though. The article uses he and his and him. This aberrant behavior lifestyle individual says, That way your kids can basically,
1: without any type of preconceived notion of gender, identity, discover and explore gender in all of its vastness and allow them to figure out who they are without having any type of gendered ideals Pushed on them before they're even old enough to really understand
0: what that means. Listen, if your son, a male child, looks into his diaper and sees a penis, he is a male, he is a boy. If your daughter looks into her diaper and sees a slit, a vagina, she is a female, a girl, It is only right to teach boys what boys are supposed to do with the bodies that God above has blessed them with and to teach girls what it is that God intends their bodies to do in the gift of life. For Maher's family, this means using only gender-neutral pronouns such as they-them for their child as well as not limiting they them on what they can wear or what them can play with.
1: If they want to wear say a Batman t-shirt with a rainbow tutu, they're more than welcome to. We've got a mixture of My Little Pony and dinosaur figures so it's just very open. We really we're really getting to see our kids shine and how their personality is
0: developing. The whole goal for Mayher is to follow their children's lead and let the children make their own decisions that's not how you parent that's not how you raise normal children mayor says i want them to feel like they're
1: not being pushed into any kind of mold of who they have to be at this point our kid is two and a half so their gender is an unknown wrong
0: asshat If he has a penis, his gender is male. There are only two genders. Follow the science, you streaking freak of nature. The science, the biology, the fact and the reality is, boys have a penis. Girls have a vagina.
1: But Mayer says, It's not that we're trying to push them to be non-binary or anything. It's just they don't have the capacity at this point to tell us, Hey, this is how I feel. These are the pronouns I want to
0: use. That's right. They're not old enough for you to be shoving this garbage down their throats. One reason Mayer wants to parent this way is to let the child truly know who they are. He says, I'm really hoping that it instills
1: a strong sense of identity and a sense of self. Because I feel like it's important for everyone. How can you say that, you
0: clown? It instills a strong sense of identity. It instills no sense of identity. Look in the pampers, buddy. If you see the beans and the franks, you have a son, a boy. And you as a parent have a duty, a responsibility to teach your male child what he is supposed to do with those tools in his diaper. That is how the species continues, replicates. Dr. Shauna Newman is the director of child and adolescent psychology at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York. She believes kids have a sense of their identity, including their own sense of gender, very young, maybe starting as young as two years old and that there's not only one specific way to parent that could lead to a positive upbringing, she says. To have an experience for a child in which they can direct their own sense of external identity can be very positive and give them a great sense of security of who they are and who they want to be, she says. She says a two-year-old can pick out what they want to wear and what they want to play with and what they're attracted to. Children have to show us about who they are. And I think letting them do that is an extremely important thing, she says. She also says, allowing kids to express themselves allows for a strong sense of self, which can help prevent other concerns. She says, kids who have gender identity concerns or questions are really vulnerable to depression and anxiety. And I think the child who is allowed to flow into their identity and express their interests have greater chances of being secure in their identity, secure in themselves. She explains, adding that kids are secure in themselves, having more resilience and more flexibility in their understanding of how they move through their world and socially interact. I think these people are nuts. I think they're wacky. I think they are really, really far out there and they are harming their children. And anyone who parents in this fashion should probably be put into some type of program to teach what the actual biological function of the male and female biological forms are for. We're all mammals. We're all animals. And propagation of the species, perpetuation of the human form, relies upon penises in vaginas impregnating females. Anything other than that, you are treading into a place And I'm not going biblical here, even though the Bible clearly explains how this is supposed to be. You can't put a round peg into a round peg, and you can't put a slot into a slot and expect the outcome to be the birth of a child. Confusing young children. Instead of saying he is a good boy or she is a good girl, by saying they are a good them, that would leave any child confused. And when you start out your children's lives in a confused state and you do nothing to clarify that confusion, you end up with a very confused preteen, an extremely confused adolescent, and a really screwed up adult who still doesn't understand the basic biological science that
1: boys have a penis, girls have a vagina.
0: (laughs) Thanks for the tip. I mean, really, it's as clear as the, you know, nose on your face.
1: Boys have a
0: penis, girls have a (laughs) vagina. The liberal, progressive, woke, socialist sickness is really starting to make our country look Like an embarrassment on the world stage. And according to The Hill, a federal judge ruled on Sunday, I didn't know judges worked on Sunday, that for-profit businesses that have a sincerely held religious belief do not have to abide by LGBTQRSTUV discrimination claims. A blow to the previous ruling in the Supreme Court that protected sexual orientation and gender identity from discrimination. The ruling from District Judge Reed O'Connor paved the way for Braidwood Management, a Christian healthcare company in Texas, to not have to adhere to LGBTQ anti-discrimination protections with the rationale falling in accord with the Religious Freedom Restoration Act as well as the First Amendment. The protections had come from Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act the new provision by O'Connor's ruling will allow other religious groups, such as nonprofits, to refuse to hire LGBTQ people or fire them for their LGBTQI identities. The new Title VII allows an employer to claim religious exemption so long as it can show a religious corporation, association, educational institution, or society. Braidwood and Bear Creek had sued the U.S. Equal Opportunity Employment Commission after the Supreme Court ruled in 2020 that Title VII applied to employees who identify as gay, queer, homosexual, or transgender. Braidwood does not recognize same-sex marriages and does not give benefits to those in same-sex relationships as the company's head believes it would make him and his company complicit in sin violating his sincerely held religious beliefs. In July, the Supreme Court refused to hear a case over a Washington state florist's refusal to service a wedding for a same-sex couple. That allowed the state court's ruling to stand as it stated the florist was being discriminatory. The Department of Justice had also stated to federal agencies in April that gay students were protected by their civil rights from discrimination, which reversed the Trump administration guidance which subdued the impact of a landmark Supreme Court decision in 2020 that extended protection of civil rights for queer workers. In that 2020 landmark case, it was largely considered a game-changer for those in the queer community where the gay and transgender community was granted protections under Title VII. Judge Neil Gorsuch, the quiet conservative jurist, surprised observers to side with the 6-3 to three majority back in 2020, and now my right to free speech, my right to religious freedom can keep me from having to do something just because you claim it's discriminatory to you because you don't know where to put your round peg or what to put in your square hole. This is the Truth Hurts Program. After Hollywood actor Alec Baldwin murdered one of his directors and severely wounded another of his directors by pointing a loaded gun at them and firing without having the decency or the common courtesy to check the weapon before firing it, his wife is now saying the paparazzi have been chasing her family in cars since the deadly murder uh, uh, shooting occurred on the set of the movie Rust. Alec Baldwin is supposedly facing all kinds of distraught feelings and saying it's not his fault as he, like any normal Democrat, tries to shift the blame from his own stupidity and his own actions onto someone else. Remember, these Hollywood types love to have the camera people, the paparazzi, following them around constantly paying them attention but now that it's something you know like murder which he'll probably get away with because he's a democrat but something like murder is now tailing the baldwin family they don't want the evil mean camera people following them around anymore i hope the paparazzi keeps on chasing them and chasing them and chasing them Hey, I've got some news for you. Remember when Minneapolis was the center point of all of the rage and anger and racial unrest after the criminal, thug, animal, drug dealer, armed robber George Floyd died of a drug overdose and a heart attack in the middle of a street while he was handcuffed and a cop who was trying to keep that thug animal from fleeing or fighting or kicking or biting or spitting put his knee on that guy's back for a little while? And then they charged that cop with murder and then convicted him because they needed to have a victory to keep the entire nation from burning to the ground as a 13% hyphenated American minority was set to do just that light the country ablaze. Remember all the calls for defunding the police? We got to get rid of them bad cops all the police is bad it's systemic racism everybody is a cop is a racist it don't matter if you black or white or whatever if you wear the badge you is a racist we have to get rid of the police the police is the problem in this country not the criminals not the drug dealers not the carjackers not the shooters not the stabbers not the racists not the drug sellers and the drug users no the problem is the systemic police racism it goes all the way back four thousand years since we were slaves whatever. Minneapolis voters rejected a charter amendment to defund the police, rejected that charter amendment to replace the police department with what they were going to call a comprehensive public health approach to policing. They wanted to defund the police. Everyone in Minneapolis did until, of course, crime went skyrocketing through the roof, even after Derek Chauvin was illegally and wrongfully convicted of murder in something that, well, I'll just leave it at that. He was wrongfully convicted of murder. Supporters of the Charter Amendment included Representative Muslim Ilhan Omar, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, and of course rappers like Lizzo, who expressed support for defunding the cops all over social media. In addition to removing the police department from the city's charter, the amendment would have removed the requirement to employ 1.7 officers for every thousand residents. It would have replaced the police chief with a commissioner who would be nominated by the mayor and approved by the city council. Rashad Robinson is a spokesman for Color of Change Political Action Committee. And they said before Tuesday vote, It's a vote for all of us to reimagine police safety and to move away from the types of systems that have not produced safety for all communities. Susanna Blumenthal is a professor of law and history at the University of Minnesota. They said that that amendment could have had a lasting effect. She's right, but in a different way. It would mean while the cat is away, the mice will play. And when I mean mice, I'm talking about filthy rats running the streets of Minneapolis committing crimes at will, and if someone dares to call 911, they'll get a social
1: worker, and that person might come out and try and talk the criminal out of his behavior.
0: Oh, that would be so sweet. It wouldn't work. But, Professor Blumenthal says, the history we need to reckon with has to do with the repeated failures of liberal reform. The failure to see that the problems of crime and violence are symptoms of deeper systemic inequities in education, employment, housing and health care. Instead of investing in communities and social programs designed to redress these inequities, resources have been poured into law enforcement agencies to improve policing. Given this history of police reform, I can understand the strongly felt need to reimagine public safety. However, the people who opposed the charter amendment that thank God went down to defeat, including some seeking simple reform of police, criticized it for a lack of specifics and too little community input. Here's the bottom line. There must be a deterrent to keep criminals from committing crime. There must be police officers on the streets in proactive policing roles, including stopping and frisking white people, black people, Latino people, Mexican people, Asian people, Russian people, fat people, skinny people, tall people, short people. If you are in an area known for drug trafficking and you see a cop, And you suddenly shove your hands into your pockets and start walking away. That is called reasonable suspicion. If you have nothing to hide, why would you be acting in such a suspicious manner? But you see, the Blafrican American community says that's what causes so many black people to go to jail. Well, maybe it's because those black people had drugs in their pockets and drugs are illegal. Stopping and frisking the white person with no drugs in their pockets usually results in that white people not going to jail. But if that white people have drugs in their pockets, then they go to jail too. But you see, 13% of the U.S. population falls in the category of Blafrican American. And yet, 90% of the countries incarcerated are African American. Two plus two must indeed equal four. Follow the science, they say, Mathematics, by the way, is a science. And if most of the people committing the crime come from the small minority of the 13% hyphenated American crowd, then it is reasonable to presume that if you are going to stop and frisk a hundred people, probably a larger percentage of the 13% minority will be criminals than the vast majority of the non-13% majority. Am I making sense? Making sense to me. Anyhow, anyway, thank God the people of Minneapolis, the people of Minnesota, had the common sense intelligence to vote down that ridiculous, ridiculous proposal. One more switch of gears. We have just a few moments left in this edition of the Truth Hurts program House Democrats have amended again the enormous social spending framework at the heart of gropey Joe Biden's so-called big bad blunder, uh, build back better, some BBB crap. They want to put back the family paid leave into the bill. The change was announced Wednesday morning in a letter from nasty Nancy Naughty Nazi Pelosi who says the rules committee will meet later today in a hearing to consider the changes. She stopped short of a Rules Committee vote on the package, which would indicate House leaders are still having a little bit of an issue of bringing this thing to the floor for a vote. She says there are a few outstanding issues yet to be resolved, which will prevent the legislation from passing through the Senate in its current form. And because Pelosi has vowed not to allow House lawmakers to vote on anything that it can't win with 50 votes in the Senate, she will wait for negotiators to iron out those differences. But now they do want to put back the monthly bribe, the family paid leave, into the bill, hoping it will twist some of the moderates and some of the progressives into agreeing on the massive, as they're calling it, one and three quarters trillion dollar package. But upon reading, Steve Scalise, Republican House Minority Whip from Louisiana, says is still over three and a half trillion when you add up all of the crap that goes along with it. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Wednesday, hump day, the wonderful November 3rd. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are free speech protected under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautix.